Gordon Butterazzi. Welcome, good sir. I appreciate you taking the time and space to uh, to catch up. How you been, man? Always a pleasure, Mr. Nicky Chin, the Crimson Chin himself. <laughs> uh, feels good. Feels good. Feel feel well well rested for a long weekend, uh, especially for our bedtimes these days. Amen. Amen. Go Canada. Go. We've come a long way. <laughs> I'm uh well bef- before we jump into it for starters appreciate you man it's always fun I-, I heard the other day on a podcast that hosting a podcast is very much so just like catch it- it's time and space to catch up with friends in the same way you explore in a conversation also like to hear and dig into what's been going on and see where and how your brain is now working and what you've been experiencing and going through so uh excited for this man especially knowing where where you've come from and <laughs> where you're going with with all you've been doing so looking forward to unpack that with you man who the hell knows where we're going man who the you, hell you knows? Know me too i've changed too many too many times to freaking count but yeah man well we like... gotta say from where we started we are the most uh we were some of the volatile ones in our in our rowdy pack to say the least but we'll get there we'll get there Define volatile, but no. I'm before kidding. getting there, before getting to where and how we first crossed swords, for for those uninitiated, <laughs> I'd love I'd love to hear. I realize I've probably spoken about this, Jordan, but speaking about it, it was never under a clear mind, clear conscious of when we were unpacking our, our lives when we first crossed paths, knowing uh, <laughs> knowing the environment that we're, we were in. Break it down for the uninitiated. Where does where does JB come from? Um, how far you can take this back, however far you want to go, knowing full well that we're going to lead into uh, how we first met. Who is JB? Yeah, let's uh, let's do some unpacking. Um, I'm not going to go too too far, but I think uh, JB pre now was more along the lines of just someone that didn't really care, didn't really have a plan, didn't really have an idea, still doesn't in certain respects, of course, but uh, has, has done a lot of growth over the years. But I think it kind of started in university where it was, uh, I, w- I was always changing my mind and I couldn't stick to anything. And I found that uh, throughout, throughout like the years uh, at TMU or, or formerly Ryerson University, Um, we, uh, we, yeah, I just changed my mind a lot. Didn't know what major to stick with. Didn't know what my plan was. Just wanted to get my degree, get out of there. I knew how I've been raised. Hey, everything's going to be fine. As soon as I get a degree, right. It's going to be rainbow, sunshine, lollipops, and butterflies. But, uh, that's, that's, wasn't really the case. So I think it was going into, going into third year where I was really like, fuck, what, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. Changed my major three times already. Like, oh, maybe, maybe business law. No, no, I don't, I don't, I love reading, but I need to read something that excites me. I love uh, marketing and I, st- I still do. I feel like I, sh- I should have majored in that, but it was just like, oh, everyone's doing marketing. I don't want to be that guy. I'm I contrarian. All right. Yeah. So then I ended up in human resources. <laughs> <laughs> And I made sure I checked every single box to get my CHRP just to make sure if I had a fail, I had a fail safe. uh, If whatever job I was planning to get into post-grad wouldn't work out, I can get my CHRP. Um, And I have not held any position in HR since graduating. But reason being, I think that 
why I, I kind of was persuaded to go that way and, and finally firm up on that decision uh, was because I love people. I do like working with people for the most part. Um, I think it's, we, we can create really beautiful relationships. And as I age, I realize the relationships that are meant for me are going to stay. The ones that I want to put effort into are going to stay. Uh, and the ones that you do keep around and value can create some really beautiful things. So I think that's what kind of swayed me to get uh, onto the people side of things. And then obviously, guy without a plan, graduating, he's going to go into sales. <laughs> so that's kind of to our, to our swords cross in there, Nick. Well, uh, <laughs> so uh, business law to HR to sales. I could see to marketing to, to marketing HR, to, sales. to sales, and I I could see how each one of those is you to a T, <laughs> some capacity with your interests. Bef- before even getting to to sales in Xerox, you walk with a I don't know to even get in sales, you have to have a certain bravado or confidence to be like, yeah, I could sling that or I could sell that. Uh, when when and how did you step into that confidence or that voice? through, I don't know, the experience you had in university or even personally to say, yeah, I could, uh, I could get into any conversation or not be phased by any objection and walk into a room and start selling Jordan Buterazzi or whatever product or service you're behind. Yeah, I think there's, uh, there's so many things that can kind of lead to those moments where you're like, oh, shoot, like this is it. I think this, mm. I think this could be it. Uh, and it's impossible to, to kind of nail one, one thing or the other, but I think the biggest confidence booster for me was like, i as a kid, I was always scared of public speaking. And then as I've aged and, and grown, I've looked for more opportunities to just like, Ooh, let's get those butterflies going, speak in front of a uh, 10 people, 50 people, hundred people. And even now on a podcast, it's like my heart was racing before this, but it's like, you know what, once you're in it, you just kind of. You see, you just fire off the hip and hope for the best. And um, but but to get back to the, your question, it was when I I was an MC, Master of Ceremonies for the Ryerson Marketing Conference. And again, not a marketing, <laughs> not a marketing major, but I MC'd the <laughs> conference, the entire organization. <laughs> yeah, in, in like 2016 or 2017, and had a had a grand old time. Loved mm-hmm. it. Like I, I, I received a lot of positive feedback from that experience. And it's just like, yeah, if I can do this in front of a bunch of uh, these delegates that are here and, and business professionals, like maybe, maybe they, I do have that kind of uh, sort of uh, gift of the gap, so to speak, which, yep. uh, which I think is very much so aligned with most sales professionals, um, especially in real estate. But um, yeah, I think it was, it was one of th- that experience. And then a couple uh, leadership opportunities I've had in, in sports teams. I played hockey my whole life. Rugby was another sport in high school that I played near and dear. It was a lot of fun. But um, yeah, I think those kind of like those small wins that you can just have that proof of yourself to be like, yeah, you know, I can do this. That's what public speaking sports competition. I read very, I'm not, I'm not, not surprised would have pegged you for like a Toastmasters or something of the like to get those butterflies. But I think you're, you're also missing one of the things that is infectious about you. I just read um, Kevin Hart's book and you know, Kevin Hart, the comedian, but business entrepreneur, hustler, mogul. And he says, yeah, talent always helps sweat equity and hard work always helps, but it'll take you so much further is just being likable. And I'm sure you've seen Kevin Hart movies or any of his standups. He's a pretty likable guy. 
but I'll say very much so since our, our first interactions, Jordan, and working with you, you didn't mind having the target on your back or don't mind having the target on your back for the brunt of a joke or to, to lead us into the charge or what have you. So I'm not surprised that your marketing crew, despite you being hesitant on marketing, said, yeah, let's, let's throw that guy up there to lead us for the evening and see what he says or does, you know? Definitely, definitely. And I, I, even when we do our catch-ups uh, with the other copier boys, uh, between Scotty, Mira, mm. Chris, uh, Quinn and the like, and I always remember Chris, he'll never fail to bring it up. It's like, remember, remember your first week here, what you were asking? And I would ask all <laughs> these questions about, it's my first job, first job in the corporate world. I'm pretty sure I cried when I got the call that I got the job. And, uh, and I just, in the, I'm in the boardroom, neck tied to my freaking Adam's apple. And I'm just in there. So Chris, um, what do you pack for lunch? What do you usually eat for breakfast in the morning? Do you wear the long socks? Do you pull them all the way up or do you wear them a little lower? And it's just like, so just, what are you, what are other people doing? How can I emulate their success and not make myself look like a fool? A space like, cadet. Mimicry. Yeah. Mimicry is a very big form of flattery. And you'd think that, see, you were, you were, you were thinking beyond stage one, Jordan, you're at a level deeper than most. Everybody's just trying to pick up the tactics and the talk tracks and the process within sales. You were trying to get to know, how do you operate, baby? How high are the socks? How much mayo on the lettuce sandwich? <laughs> you know, how do you take your coffee? Yeah. And uh, I'll say you. you you had your chest out, your tie, you look sharp. <laughs> you made you made it a lot of fun despite what the job was. Yeah. Um, well, then how'd you get there? Who sold you on the Xerox dream? Or how did you, how'd you end up slinging photocopiers and say, hey, this is going to be my first, uh, my first big corporate shtick? Yeah, um, just a couple things. I was pretty happy because I think what my, I was very motivated toward the end of my university career and it was just going to the business career hub, working on my resume, doing interview prep. Like I, I really turned it on at the end of university, mm-hmm. uh, joining student groups like the RMC and, and uh, RMA and, and other and other associations just to really bolster your resume as much as you can uh, to look like you actually give a shit. Um, and, <laughs> and, and then going into uh, towards the end of my last semester, it was just like, I want to get a job before I even graduate. Like that was mm-hmm. my, my sole goal. So I can like, okay, take a week off after grad grade, you'd be hooray, bang, right to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it was just about interviewing and, and getting out there. And I really think I only had like two or three interviews until it was like, wow, this is Xerox. I started uh, reading more into them. I was like, damn, world-class sales training. Every book I'd read before this said, as a leader, the one thing that you need to learn is, is learn how to sell. Mm-hmm. Whether you're selling an idea to um, to the masses, where, whether you're selling uh, uh, a motivation to your employees, whether you're selling your kid to eat their broccoli, um, to, to be healthy and grow strong. There's so many aspects to, I hate the word sales. I hate the connotation, negative connotations associated with it, but that's what you're doing. You're, you're, mm-hmm. you're trying to provide value provide a service to get someone to the next step to hopefully their own benefit and yeah it was it was between mr rockert uh that that uh did the interview mirab unfortunately missed our interview (laughs) our our former manager and i know he's going to listen to this but he did um 
And, but, but yeah, it was, it was a no brainer. Like every, the culture was great. I mm-hmm. loved the grind. I loved the hustle and bustle on the phones. I loved being in a suit. It was just nice to <laughs> cool to be in a suit. Oh, this guy looks amazing. Wonder what he does for a living. He slings friggin' <laughs> multifunction printers. All right. I got you. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, and it was just that whole allure of just like phone sales. Everyone's watched Wolf of Wall Street and just that kind of, that's the vibe it gave me. It was just nitty gritty. And and uh, a lot of fun. I knew it would be fun. So you, I gotta say, were a little more prepped and researched as to what you were jumping into. Then you you had a sense of the the meat grinder that it could be and the environment that you were stepping into. A little. You were drawn to it. I was drawn to it, though. Yes, I was gotcha. definitely drawn to it, and I and I was like, this is going to be fun. Okay. Then reality hit. Well, uh, walk <laughs> like, walk me through the reality. Then uh, I I. I was under the impression, I think I joined maybe a, a couple months after you. Uh, you were a little bit more my senior. But you, despite some of the questions you were asking, you, you always seemed like you had business going. You seemed like you knew what you were doing. You never got too down on yourself in any way. You were uh, Mr. Positive Mental Attitude himself, uh, which I think is a huge part of sales, especially in the grind of Xerox. You, you have to. And then I remember... So I'm curious to hear from you, like as you were as you were transitioning out, you started to get hot. You left on a hot note, like, all right, here's the here's the JB way of doing it, and I'm out of here. Peace, bitches. So what was that evolution to get there? I think it was uh, the evolution kind of revolved around um not knowing what I was getting myself into a little like like reality is always different than what you make it out to be. Like I think now I would be asking way more questions and understanding mm-hmm. what do quotas look like across the board. Um, what like even I think you reposted it recently on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um, like exactly that. What 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 how with the percentage of actual sales reps that are hitting these quotas? Like I didn't ask any of those questions. <laughs> oh, I like, oh, I'm gonna, I didn't know I was gonna go blank uh, go goose egg three months in a row. Sometimes a just, limited commission was just like, oh baby, I'm gonna be a trillionaire. I'm gonna be rich. These guys are <laughs> stupid for hiring me because I'm gonna make so much money and then just leave. <laughs> but that was not the case. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, but to your point, I think it was. Um, I think the evolution was just around um, just trying. Just showing mm. up every day. Like that's all I think even like the the, mo- the morning meetings with Rocker, like I think that was the best culture that I've ever been surrounded in. And I know sometimes we had uh, different opinions and, and we thought of, man, this guy is, this guy's a little bit uh, off his rocker. Huh? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, but no, he was, uh, he, he was a very influential and he's still, uh, even though I haven't spoken to him in, a, in quite some time, uh, he's definitely made uh, an impression on me for, showing up every day, doing the work, trying to be a little bit better than you were yesterday and trying to embellish that kind of PMA positive mental attitude would just get you to the next step, no matter what. And, and the highs that you feel don't dwell on them too long. The lows that you feel learn from them, but again, dwell on them even less and just kind of pick up and move on. But uh, yeah, I think to your point about like moving, like ending kind of hot, I think I, I definitely made a mistake. And Amir, I will say that too to his day, our, our former really? manager. Yeah, yeah, we we talked we talked about that uh, before. Of just my one of my biggest things was just always caring a bit too much about what people think of me, and okay. I think everyone suffers from that in in one capacity or another. But I think for me, it, it really is something that I will continue to work on for the rest of my life. And posting content and and trying to put myself out there uh, is something that helps because like I don't give a shit. Here's me. 
you know, yep. Ciao. into the yep. netherworld because nobody really cares about it more than I do. And yep. if that's the mentality, who, why should Post and ghost. Post and ghost, you know, exactly. But I, I think I left Xerox a little bit too early for my own development. It was great. I learned a lot. But I think one more year would have really built a better foundation for me in a, in a, in a disciplinary facet instead of caring about what people think. That well, so what are some of those, what, what's the additional year gonna, what, what do you anticipate the additional year would have g- given you in terms of foundational sales principles or, or development principles? I think more along the lines of year one in any job, like not any job, but year one in this capacity, like fresh grad, new mm. to the corporate world, et cetera. It's like year one is, is you're learning, try to be a sponge as much as you can and absorb the sales process, absorb the product uh, or products um, understand like what you're getting yourself into and, and build a positive, like mental attitude and regime around that. And then year two is application, mm-hmm. right? You build that foundation. You're still have a, a, a lifelong learner mindset, but then actually push apply, it. push it, see how far you can push yourself and giving yourself the break in the first year of learning. And this is very new, this, that, the other, but year two, it's like, okay, You've seen reps in and out of your office, <laughs> like flies on the wall or fly by nights, like, but you're here to stay. Let, let's see what you got in year two and really push the pedal forward. Yeah, I hear you. It's, it's, uh, maybe it, it's why we look back on Xerox with such rose colored eyeglasses or, or lenses is that oftentimes you're right with Rockard or just the culture as a whole. I'm coming across those adages of like, if I will you. Or you're just always got to be prospecting the first semblance of accountability of just like going up to the big dashboard and typing in how many cold calls or, yeah. or doors you built. There was a lot of things that in hindsight, I'm like, ah, that's extremely viable. That would have yeah. amplified and, and only helped me uh, become a little bit better faster. But ego, and you're like, ah, I don't need to be in a... Uh, my six sweat through suit that uh, I'm making peanuts on the dime hustling. I could go be a BDR for a, a tech company and, and apply myself better there. But I mean, hindsight's always 2020 and yeah. uh, you've had nothing but a pretty remarkable story post Xerox continuing in sales. I'd be curious if, if, if you ever, applied sales principles to firefighting and that vision for a little bit before ending up back into sales. But formative years, I think we can both agree in terms of Xerox being uh, something that molded a lot of your thinking in the way that you try and not just conduct business, but also conduct relationships and conduct yourself and managing all those things as one. Um, outside of Outside of leaving earlier or leaving a little bit later, uh, anything you would change or anything you would, you'd want to experience or do again from the Xerox experience? Nothing. Just yeah. really enjoying it. Maybe, uh, updating my CRM a little bit better for incoming <laughs> reps. That's about it. This CRM is a loose term if you want to call it that, but yeah. yeah. Excel spreadsheets and I'm with you. I'm with you. Okay. But yeah, no, it was, it was great. Well then, walk walk us through uh, what was the story beyond that. Then you you weren't de- demotivated to the point that you're saying no more sales when you left. No, no, it was more long. I just wanted to sell something sexier. 
Okay. And I, again, going back to just like, I wasn't true to myself and what I wanted. I, I let outside influence impact a, a, a big life trajectory change, which is changing a job. And I think I took that, I took it too lightly. I didn't think hard enough about that change. And yes, it's important to change and grow. And I don't regret anything now, but I think it is a, it's something I should have put a little bit more thought into. But anyways, Beyond that, I just wanted to sell something a little bit sexier. So then I started working for a company called Ebury, uh, doing Forex uh, financial sales. So import landing, working with um, SMBs with their trade accounts and just help trying to trying to get a better spread on their dollars right? Uh, across multiple currencies. And it was cool. It was a neat product. I startup. loved the uh, startup vibe, loved the, loved the, uh, like the morning routine of just Everyone in the office had to create a different economic report for the day. And it really draw like I loved doing those. I had a lot of fun making those um, and presenting those in the morning uh, just as kind of like a little powwow. But quickly, as a sales force, like as a team, we learned that this culture was horrendous. Really? And it really showed me how what the the, the, the golden apple that I had at uh, with Xerox to the, the rotten apple that I was feasting on here. And I don't even like it. It's, it's true. Like culture is everything. And I'm mm-hmm. one that I cannot, I'm not a part of the, the old boys club or the cliques. I do not, I do not care for that whatsoever. It's about, Hey, if we, if I can, if I can run through a brick wall for the person that's leading the team, I will. And like Mirab was that guy. Rocker right. was that guy. Ajay was that guy. Right. Whereas uh, here it was just not the case. And, and many people on, on the sales floor felt that. Uh, learned a lot. Again, don't regret it. But that also was a bit of a short stint. Right. So that stint, though, you're saying culture is teamwork. Culture is camaraderie. Com- culture is just a little bit of trench warfare with somebody that's next to you type of thing, no matter how shit the work may be. Exactly. It, it, it's, it's about like, yes, you're in the trenches. And we were in the trenches at Xerox. Uh, but this, these trenches were like, it's getting infilled by management as well. So it's like, you're just going to get exposed to the enemy and get, get screwed even more. You know what I mean? It just was not, was not great at all. And definitely learned a lot, like landed a a really big account in my time there and it was really fun and it was cool, but not worth it was not wor- the, the 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 waking up every day and and going to a place that's just full of toxic masculinity and and just misogyny just we're connected uh, you weren't connected, connected to it in any no way. alignment in values so then Got after it. that i'll just kind of jump quickly into the next one uh i i again i wanted to change wanted to do a quick uh quick get out of there and my last actual like corporate job was with a a firm um like a, a small private equity shop again startup being their sales champion. So trying to find uh, potential businesses to buy for this for this private equity shop. And I realized even more from human resources and in, in university, love working with people, Xerox, shaking hands, making calls, busting down doors, getting kicked out of TD Towers, <laughs> right? Yes. To just phone sales yes. with e and the occasional meeting to you're not touching a phone, you're not emails. You're not talking to anybody. You're going to impersonate the CEO on the email, like control their email, <laughs> Gmail calendar, and we'll see how how it goes. And then I was just like, this, this, this ain't it. Chief. It's just getting more and more impersonal. Exactly, and that's Got not it. Jordan, you know. Okay. 
So yeah, then then I was like, all right, let's try firefighting. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's because you like to do things with your hands. It's like, I mean, community. Just quickly walk me through how and why, because when we saw that, I was like, I could see it. Don't get me wrong. George's definitely the attitude or mentality to, to do anything. But how were you reconciled? What was the, the common thread in this story at that point you were thinking? Yeah. Um, and it's a, it's a quick, easy answer. It's my dad was a firefighter with, uh, Good on you. City okay. of Toronto, nice. uh, for 37 years. He was, re- he retired as a district, uh, district chief and probably the most, the, like the biggest person I look up to in my life. Uh, very grateful for our relationship and just everything that he's been able to provide for me and my family. Um, and I have obviously a ton of respect for the guy, like a hundred percent respect for him and what he's been able to accomplish. Um, so I think, that throughout high school, always at the back of my head was just like, you got to be a firefighter like your dad. Can't you still? You know? Like you can always, I can. like I it's can. never too late. It's never too late. And it might be in the cards down the road. Yeah. Um, not going to, definitely not off the books, but um, that's kind of what always led me there. And like even people said, oh, you know, when you started firefighting, it's like, I always pictured you as that. And it's like, yeah. you get this social proof and it's like, oh my God, maybe this is, this is what I should be doing. This is meant for me. Uh, and then went to school, uh, started in late, uh, 2019 and graduated, got a position there as a student mentor, which mm-hmm. is like something that every person in the class kind of wants because mm-hmm. it makes your bolsters up your resume. You get way more experience. You teach oncoming classes and it looks very, very good mm-hmm. to get a job in a very, very competitive field. Um, and then COVID happened. So instead of a four-month term as a student mentor, it turned into an eight-month term. So kind of set myself up even better because I had two months or uh, eight months of experience there. Thank you, China. Uh, sorry? Go on. <laughs> Go on. Oh, yeah. All right. I got you now, you dog. Um, but yes, thank you, China. Um, and, but at the same time, I also was like, I want to get my real estate license. So that's when I was also like 2020 was a year of just zero money being made and just mm-hmm. working for free and learning. And it was great. And trying not to go crazy and developing, uh, all of you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Developing some other issues, but it's fine. Um, and so basically it was like, okay, I want to be this guy. I want to be this firefighter that also sells real estate. I'm right. brand new to both. Like real right. estate isn't even like commercial or corporate sales at all, in my opinion. Um, but uh, and, and firefighting is new to me, but it's kind of in my blood. So it's like it's, it's a perfect merger. My, yeah. my dad had his license for a short time when he was growing up, too. So it's like, yes, this is it. These are the boots that I'm filling. Uh, no pun intended. And and then we and then um, I kind of started realizing it's like. Firefighting, I think right now is just not for me either. Okay. So I, ha- I finished at the top of my class, had this great opportunity, worked at Canada's Wonderland for a little bit as a fire safety tech, like no. try- checking all the boxes I could <laughs> to, to really just get, get a job on fire. And then got the license for real estate and started hemming and hawing. And it's like, which one do I really want to commit to? Which one makes the most sense for me right now? And ultimately led me to, to picking real estate for a number of reasons. Um, one, I have all my licenses for firefighting now. Those don't ever expire. I'll have to do some physical stuff down the road if I want to get back on board. Other than that, I'm good. So that base is covered. At least I did it early along in my life where I don't have family, kids, other commitments. Mm-hmm. And number two, I could just 
earning potential in real estate is, is, is very awesome. I just think it can take a while for some people like myself. Like, again, I, I was always known to spread myself too thin as opposed to dial in, as you've seen or heard my job jumping history and, and trying new things. So this is actually the longest career path I've had for a while. And now I'm starting to see the seeds that I've planted be ready to be harvested. Right. Which is great, which is beautiful to see. And, and we'll, we'll get into that. But yeah, like uh, it just made more sense for me right now because I can do firefighting down the road. I can make more money with sales that I already have a background in. Mm -hmm. And lastly, really, I think that I think it's a bit unfair to do two very intense jobs at the same time at this point in my career. Yep. As a firefighter. Someone's calling 911, nine times out of 10, it's going to be the worst day of their life that they have to call 911. Can't be thinking about the some of the deals you're trying to close in the same I, breath. I can't be thinking about Betty and Johnny that are <laughs> about to close on their house or that need to do an inspection Yeah. when when, when I have you know, impending calls for someone very mature, in, the, in the worst day of their life. Yeah. And, and it's taken a while to come to that understanding. But the flip side can be said, too, in, in the real estate world. Like firefighting, you have people on the worst day of their life calling 911. Real estate, you're working with someone that has saved thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars over the past couple of years, mm-hmm. if not a decade, to save all of this money and make one of the biggest, if not the biggest, purchase of their entire life. The, a 30, a 25, 30 year debt commitment for home ownership or, or rental property ownership, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. So those are two, you know, when, when I, when Pivotal I, moments in somebody's yeah, life. <laughs> yeah. So I try to like, I'm like, how fair is it for me to double dip? And there are people that everyone has side hustles and jobs and, and whatnot. And if you can do it well, by all means, like do it. But personally, Again, if I'm up all night, like this week, I was up uh, doing a deal. I didn't go to bed till 2 a.m. on a Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. If I had work the next day for for fire, a 24-hour shift, what kind of mental, physical state am I going to be in if I have 30 calls to respond to that day? Right. You know, I'm not going to be operating at my most efficient. And then the flip side, if I just come off a 24-hour shift and I had so many calls that day, and then I have to go show five seven houses and then put deal uh, put deals together uh for for this client the quality of work that i'm going to be able to put out and the quality in my clear state of mind let's say i saw a couple suicides or um, motor vehicle collisions and, and i saw a whole family get killed the day before and then i have to go do a deal and meet a new family and try to find them there hey. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. you're not going to be able to perform you're not going to be able to be on you're not going to be able to uh Remember to ask about how high your socks are supposed to be that day type of thing. You're right. And, and, and maybe that's different for, for other people. Like this is just how I operate. Or at a different you know phase in mean? your life. Yeah. Whatever, whatever it may be. I hear you. I understand. If you don't mind, what's the day in the life then of a realtor look like just to lay the context and give, uh, if you will, the DNA of what a realtor operates as. And then we can dive into maybe the nuances and the, the, the the fundamentals or the principles you picked up and the seeds you were sowing from earlier on that helped 
you maximize those day-to-day operations as a realtor? Yeah, um, I think it's tough to to spit out a day-to-day for like the 100,000 registered <laughs> okay, agents in fair, Ontario. Fair. Uh, but but I'll, I'll give you a kind of a glimpse of mine uh, and kind of uh, how I like to structure mine. But again, I think the biggest thing that I that draws me so much, even to just go back to firefighting a bit between fire and real estate, is just every day is different. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be something new. There's always a new fire new, to put out. A new fire to put out. A new collision to deal with. A new a new fire to put out in a deal, right? right. And yep. and a new a new client to meet or or whatever the case may be. So I think it's very it's very much so hard to define as like I'm going to wake up at six thirty have my morning coffee, go for a walk. Like those are, those are my standards. But then when it gets to like, Oh crap, I have to be in, in Barry for 9. AM. Sometimes that's going to go out the window and it's just right. like, wake up, coffee, go. You yeah. know what I mean? I have no time to just read in the morning or get myself mentally prepared. It's just like, okay, get my stuff ready the night before. And then, and then go. Whereas like this week as well, it's, I'm in negotiations from six to, to 10, 30, 11 at night. And then for me just to try to fall asleep after so much emotion and 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 phone calls back and forth, it's like, okay, I haven't quite figured out how to turn that brain off and just calm and cool down. Sometimes I just need to fizzle myself out and then right. finally try to find some sign to sleep. And then, okay, let's do it all again tomorrow because now we got to worry about the deposit. Um, so it's tough to, t- tough to put a nail in it, but I guess like the average day would be like, wake up at a decent time. Um, have my coffee, do some reading, try to stay off my phone as much as I can in the morning, like the first 30 minutes. I don't care. There's no crazy fires that yeah. like early in the morning, like it can wait an extra 30 so that you don't try to ingest all that blue light. Well, I've listened to a lot of Huberman lab and Gang. I really try to focus on bot, like optimizing my body and what's the best for me, getting outside, staying off your phone, drinking a bunch of water. Those are the three that I want to hit. Every Got it. Nice. And then from there, it's like typically appointments will, yeah, either start at like nine or 10. And then it could be a wide range of things. It could be a call like this, uh, not a podcast call, but like a Zoom call mm-hmm. or um, for uh, like a new buyer intro or just understanding what the next step in the process is going to be after uh, after a deal is conditional. Um, it could be uh, an appointment itself where I'm booking a showing or yesterday was back in um, back at the house for an inspection. So organizing uh an inspector to come to the house and just calls all over the sales cycle type of thing yeah exactly and and i think it's different from like commercial sales because i'm only i can only handle so many clients at once well how many what's the sweet spot have you found a number that works to like roll with it any given time to make sure you're you're giving everybody the attention they deserve but also growing your business and maturing within your role as well how do you i I mean, do you just run reports in your CRM to be like, all right, what's what what looks good, what what doesn't feel good, type of thing? Mm-hmm. I I think because it's it's real estate, it's a little bit different. I I've tried to adopt the commercial arm of a, a CRM proper, but it's it's such a personal relationship where it's like if I can balance like five to ten clients at a time, they'll get a hundred percent my attention. In, in, in a good manner. And then some days are going to be crazier than others. And I might let uh, someone slip that day, but then the next day will be lesser on the Richter scale that it's a little bit more manageable. Right. Because, um, because again, this is someone's either most important asset that their biggest asset, their emotional connection to it, the memories made in this home, 
that they're going to sell now. So obviously intrinsic value and economic value are two completely different things mm-hmm. versus again, someone making the biggest purchase and that risk of running, like you could buy, you're not, it's not, you're just buying something at a shopping mall or buying something through, through corporate to make the, the, the office, uh, improve the office printing environment. You know, it's, it's a little, <laughs> it's a little more intense than Stakes that. Stakes are higher. Stakes, Stakes are, are higher. higher. Yeah. So, well, not only that, I feel as if, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but there is so much more work being done behind the scenes and so much more work that is unseen both from the, uh, the, we'll say the seller and the buyer. If you're like the middleman trying to mitigate and manage both parties and really get people to an appropriate term that everybody's comfortable and happy with, uh, be that research on the area, be that inspecting the house, be that calling all the various people that are involved in the the buyer's process. It's a lot. So I can fully appreciate and see how like you can ideally have a perfect day of like, this is the routine, this is the structure, but in juggling that for so many different clients, it's gonna, it's gonna change. If you, if you could nail it down to one thing from all the unseen work what's what's one of those unseen works or or seen but something that's underappreciated undervalued that helps elevate the profession or helps you almost give it the the jb touch compared to what you might see in others i think at this point in my career given i'm still relatively new i'd call myself new it's the it's just the amount of care and being on the same side as whoever you're working with it's so tough it can be so tough to establish that level of like, hey, you call me, I will be there. Like you you have a question, I'm going to answer it. Or, and if I don't know the answer, I'm going to find it out for you right. as quickly as I can and have multiple sources to back it up kind of thing. So for my, I think my like little JB touch is really just trying to establish that like we're in this together. Like I know I'm not living in that house, but I will do everything I can to try to put myself in your shoes like I am about to make this decision with you. Right. And I will point out everything wrong or everything I hate about a property before I'll even mention any slight good thing about it. Because that's what I would want to know if I was on the other side. So I think just really focusing on a high level of empathy for the consu- like for a consumer on the other side of the sale, regardless of what you're selling, is what I try really hard to, to get across. What value am I adding, not just buying the house, but throughout the entire relationship? Because it's something that if I have a client that I bought a house with, they're not, it's not just a, they're just done to me or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Like it's going to be, I want to build a relationship around that. If, if we're meant to be friends, even better. Right. And it's meant to do the odd check-in to see how, how their, uh, how their kid is doing or, or what, what's going on, where they're traveling to next, this, that, the other, like, that's what I like. That's what I can relate to because that's like you said i I try to give off a very i'm human too Mm -hmm. like approach like this is this is me take it or leave it like i'm not going to be everyone's cup of tea and you're not supposed to be everyone's cup of tea in this world but i try to make my tea good like a nice chamomile with a little bit of honey in there you know what (laughs) i mean little cinnamon and you're i'm going to help you sleep well at night you know what i mean like because you're working with me but some people they don't like tea they hate tea. They're allergic to tea. To tea. So <laughs> if you can't, like, I've also learned that, like, you can't be 
everyone's cup of tea in this world. As there's much a, as you want to be, there's got to be a fit. And I know I'm not the fit for everybody. I know people probably look at me like this guy with the fucking figured out already. Fucking <laughs> HR, firefighting, Xerox, now you're selling houses. Like, grow up, buddy. And then, and looking like a, a fool on his Instagram. And then there's other people that like, man, I, I can relate to this. Like, he's a, he's a human being. I, I, I can work with this person. But I think what I'm seeing, Jordan, is you're, you're more and more and it's also what I'm also trying to do. So me projecting upon you and, and ideally vice versa is just, you kind of give a shit less of the external voices. And all you're going to do is then focus on valuable insight, like what Huberman can give you to help you put your, put your best foot forward for yourself and then for your clients and anybody that's in your circle that you've now invested in that relationship and invested in that partner. Cause at, at the end of the day, I can only imagine it's tenfold more in your world uh, your sort of relationship selling and investment is is very taxing uh, physically, emotionally, like you're tied to the sales cycle and the story and and you want to succeed, not just for your commission, but for the story that you've invested in that somebody shared with you. Have you found there are like tells or things in like the discovery process when you're trying to see if a client works for you or if they work with you? How do you, is there any way to judge that in advance or it's just something that like, it's like any relationship you, you kind of stumble through it at first and see how it's going after a little bit. I think, I think sometimes I could be a pretty good judge of character. Now, I think I was very ignorant uh, as I've grown up through, throughout the years and just realize even just in a, in a social circle setting, like who's meant for me is, is these people are good. They're helping me mm-hmm. grow just like our relationship, just like with, with Mirab and just like other people that we can speak to that are just like, yeah, they're there for us. My, one of my best friends, Tyler, like all we do is talk about what we can do to to better ourselves. Mm -hmm. Like he just bought a business and those are the type of people that I want to surround myself with. You know what I mean? Like exactly growth. Um, but when it comes to like the client side, I've been just kicked around and I feel like that's any sales job. It just happens. Sometimes you think like, Oh my God, this family's beautiful. They're great. And the next thing, you know, um, they, they, they're threatening to sue you for whatever reason. And it's just like, Oh, it's the highs and lows that you're telling me. How did we get here? And it's a little bit different because it's like, if you're working with a corporation, they threaten to sue. They're going to be trying to go after the corporation more than anything. And, and as real estate agent, like, is you they're suing me you know like we have some insurance but Jimmy, it's just Jimmy. It's, <laughs> it's just a little different but uh i i think um i think the the moral of the story of what i learned is like my pe i'll attract the people that want to work with me and the people that want to work with me will be attracted to me got it like i said i'm not gonna be everyone's cup of tea and you're not supposed to be so i think what you alluded to of just like the less and less of a shit that you give the more authenticity you can show that's what I want people to see. That's yeah. what I hope people can see. And if they don't, not my people. Yeah. Simple as that. Well, and, and you've also done a, an excellent job. Big, big kudos to you on the authenticity point of even the voice that you share on social media is, is very Jordan Butarazzi of like, hey, here's the research. Here's the work I've done. This is what I'm caring about. Here it is for free. Here's the value, if you will. And if, if you're interested... If you're also in a similar position or you've been looking at these metrics, then might work well for us. And I think that's a big part of being a salesperson is putting yourself out there. And I'm also trying to learn as well. The more you put yourself out there is like 
try not to take it personally if somebody tells you like, hey, I don't I don't drink that tea. Um, that doesn't mean you you stop putting yourself out there. You put yourself out there for the sake of bettering your ideas, bettering your thoughts, bettering your research, and then slowly but surely, the things that are attracted to you will will become attracted to you because it takes a certain character and bravado that maybe we picked up from Xerox to be able to to walk into a room and say, "Hey, here's what I'm all about. Who's interested? Who else is having and and running through these ideas?" I, I couldn't agree more. But that. That's got to sting yeah. if uh, if after that attraction, that initial first date and first few dates that you're you're dancing and you're grooving, and then they come they come with a stinger in you for for law or whatever it may be. Do you uh, any horror stories then? Any any recent win or recent loss that helps you feel the highest of highs and the, the lowest of lows in that context? Uh, yeah, I don't know where to start. Like, like, <laughs> let me pull out the list. <laughs> yeah, let me pull out the freaking list. But uh, just to go back to your point, you're totally right about the the Xerox bravado. And I think Mirab mentioned it uh, on an earlier episode about like walking into those tech companies where yeah. it's just 50 people, all open desks, no borders. And they're, you open the door, swing it open in your sweaty suit, shoes, just soles are depleted. And it's like, hey, who's in charge of the printing in this place? <laughs> and they just answer, we're a tech company. Who the hell is still using paper? <laughs> okay, let me rephrase. The office management supply. <laughs> I must, you, must, you might have misunderstood. You must, you must have misunderstood. Um, but uh, yeah, you're, you're totally right. That bravado, that, like, that confidence, I think, is, is some of the biggest, uh, the biggest wins that I've carried with me is just like, takes that took that took bully up that took courage mm-hmm. to to get to that point but uh yeah to to kind of go back to like recent wins and losses um what i will start off by saying is that earlier this year i uh like from january to june totally random off topic but january to june um i gave up uh alcohol i did not want to drink like did a dry jan i said you know what let's do a dry to june i was going to do july but it started getting really hot in April. And I was like, uh, I kind of want to. Yeah. Um, so dry, dry Jan, dry June, uh, Jan to June. And it was fantastic. And I found that the biggest lesson that I could take away from that is the emotional regulation of not getting too high on the highs and not getting too low on the lows. Felt like my mood regulation was always at a pretty good level, mm-hmm. regardless, uh, uh, given like I just wasn't drinking and even the Huberman lab and other kind of, research out there that shows that like booze is terrible for you but mm-hmm. everything is and what is worth sacrificing more quality of life of having a couple of drinks like with my with my dad with close friends uh etc or just giving it up completely but lowering my quality of life what yeah. which is worth more moderation balance. moderation is key uh small doses to everything but um from that wins and loss perspective is like great win this week uh this weekend like just before this call um finally firmed up on a deal for a client that I've been working with for quite a long time. So we had the inspection yesterday and let a couple deals fall through because it wasn't right for them. First time buyers, very tricky situation. Um, but we finally did it and I'm ecstatic and super, super happy for them. And it, it was a lot and it's an emotional toll and we close next month. It's just, it's very good. I'm very, very, very happy for them. And it feels nice that I'm like ripping out the appliances, making sure everything's connected during the inspection. And even just like on my way home, going back, I'm like, you know what? Yeah. Like the old, like 
older years, Jordan probably wouldn't have done this much to to do it. But like, again, it's showing how committed I can be. Like, this is your asset just as much as it is mine. Like, right. I need to make sure all these things work, not yep. just for you, but for me. Because this is what I would do if I were in your shoes. So exactly. it's all about Because like, this is who I would want representing me if I was in your shoes. Exactly. Right. So great dub. Very, very happy. Uh, and uh, I think it'll I think it'll go off without a hitch now that we're firm. But then the biggest L and fuck, it hurts a little bit. It <laughs> does. Sorry. I'll be honest. It's Hit okay. It's mood regulation, <laughs> right? Uh, messaged, uh, messaged a client that he wanted to list after his, uh, his, actually, let me rephrase. Uh, was been speaking to this guy since last July, July 7th, 2022. Just checking my email. <laughs> checking my text Get a tattoo, right? Jordan. Get yeah, tattoo. honestly, just to really absorb the L. Anyways, uh, chatting, 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 doesn't want to list this house until his daughter graduates. No problem. Makes perfect sense. Again, emotional sale. Uh, there's got to be so many parts that need to come together for a transaction to occur, especially when you're selling. Mm-hmm. They wanted to move out east and uh, make a long story short, getting ready for listing like paperwork's in order. I've done my follow ups, done home valuations. I created a honey, like a, a to do list for all the improvements. So I go around there, visit him, take pictures of his house. What needs improvements? What needs painting? What needs to be replaced? What needs to be fixed? All the whole shebang. Um, Put him in touch with certain people, contractors. He's moving out east, so I'm calling local agents in, in Nova Scotia to get a better understanding of the market landscape there and just giving them research of like, okay, so you don't need a, a 5% down deposit like you do, uh, 5% deposit like you do in Ontario. You just right. need like 5,000 bucks. So it's a lot it's a lot easier to, to manage and a lot better on the cash flow perspective. So whatever, long story short, message him the other day. Happy Canada Day. Hope your daughter's graduation was fantastic. Um, let's reconnect uh, soon uh, after a long weekend and, and worry about a time to figure out next steps for listing. And then he messages me, happy Canada Day. Sorry to let you know, been so busy. We signed with another agent um, after speaking with a few people in our community uh, and just, just found it to be a better fit. So it's like all that. Unseen work, all that love. Unseen work, all that love, all that, all that value, those visits, the drives, the calls, the research, just prepped and boat packaged Bruh. with a bow for 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 someone else. It's just it's part of the part of the business though. Right. There's a hundred thousand agents, and I'll tell everyone too, it's like do your research. And I, I did the same thing for them. Interview multiple people. Who's gonna be the best cup of tea for you? Right. Mm. Obviously, it wasn't for me. This was an older couple um, with a, with a younger daughter. I'm not local to this uh, municipality because I live uh, I live in Etobicoke. But like, ah, it still stings. Quite You're still a committed. Bit. You still put in all that too. Right. Easily, it's still your baby. You're still, nurturing like it, growing it. And then that's 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 something that I had calculated for, like a deal to be done this year, right? Yeah. And it's just like. Yeah. Uh, how, how can we go, uh, how do we go from here? But you know what? It's like, I journaled about it a lot over the last, uh, cause it literally just happened yesterday. And it was just like, what position am I going to be in? Am I going to be sour and bitter and sad and throw away all the other wins of the past week because of this one thing? Or am I, or am I just going to try to journal about it? What could I have done differently? Oh, maybe I could have signed exclusive paperwork sooner, right? Mm. And, and, and had them sign something sooner so that they go with me or or more follow-ups or like what other value could I have added? And at the end of the day, maybe it wouldn't have changed the end result no matter right. what. Because again, it is such a personal 
thing. They felt more comfortable. What I've deduced from that is they felt more comfortable with a local agent. Right? Yeah. So if they've talked to people in their community, how do I compete on that? Right. I can't. Yeah. Some, right? Something out of your control. Something well, out of my control. You've, you've so, taken on everything. You've done everything within your control. It sounds like put your best foot forward. So I guess the epitome of highs, high lows, low, flip that highs, ride the highs, low lows, high. Yes. To stay somewhat even keeled, but that's things just considering the amount of effort that could go. And, and I think that's, that's like what kind of goes under appreciated real estate. Like you have no white, like, again, I can't put on that face, like, like on mm. social media. And then it's like, you know what, I'm just going to go to the gym for three hours. It's Canada day. Let's just bang it out. Let's just bang it out. So that's what I did. And it's just like, you try to learn, you focus on the other clients that have your hundred percent attention and uh, you, you rock and roll with them. And then it goes back to, okay, back to prospecting. <laughs> the fucking road. <laughs> let's just go back to the top of the funnel and just yeah. <laughs> hey did you get my email hey did you get my email hey, you get... <laughs> all right well let's let's put the bow on sales let's put the bow on sales it's it's great jay to see the the trajectory you're on and the roller coaster that you've been on uh through sales and through your own personal development it's nice and it's refreshing to see maybe some of my headaches and, and trials and tribulations exist and are exclusive to, to where I'm at, but it's just the game that we're in. Yeah. One thing, one thing you're, one thing you're grateful for from sales uh, or wish you knew more people, you, you wish you more people knew about to maybe give sales a chance and help take away the, the icky connotation of what we are in sales. Um, what's, what would you peg that as? I, I love that question. Um, and I think it's, yeah, like, cause we talked about it at the beginning, just like get rid of that negative connotation because yes, they are slimy, sleazy, deal driven, money driven salespeople in, in this world, but they're not just real estate agents and car salesmen. There are horrible, horrible people in the banking industry. There are horrible, shitty people in the hospitality and tourism, mm-hmm. tourism industry. So it exists everywhere. So try to, detach that real estate agent, salesperson, car sale, insurance salesman, like there's, there's terrible in everything and there is beauty and gold in everything. So I think if you just try to approach it with a a mindset of how am I going to provide value for this person? Then that like, just go with it with that attitude, because mm-hmm. if that's the type of salesperson that you're going to be, regardless of its relationship or if it's a little bit more transactional and quicker deals, you, how can you align your intentions of providing value, show that to the client to get to get the deal done? I think uh, I think so much of it is involved with your own intentions, which will lead to your own success, however long it, it might take. But um, be, being that solution salesperson, being that value add. That's why I do like my market emails. That's why I do my posts. That's why mm-hmm. I just like, again, pick everything wrong versus everything right and not tell you when it's the right time to buy, but when it makes the most sense for you and your circumstances, um, because it's not going to be for everybody. So aligning like your intentions it. with value add. You're like a, a value gremlin out there in the real estate market, yeah. just looking for all the little golden nuggets. to Take my stats. Take my stats. <laughs> Make a decision with these. <laughs> but the share, you're, you're, we went for the gremlin for the good. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
You get it all ready, this but year, when you're though. ready. But only when you're ready. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. I'm not surprised, Jordan. Uh, I'm not surprised. That's awesome, man. Uh, and it's cool to see. It's cool to see you still reflecting and thinking and trying to like still grow and personally develop despite all the uh, the fires or headaches that the game might throw at you. I've heard I've heard a few tidbits here and there. Early sunlight, going for walks, staying hydrated. Uh, journaling, any last habit or daily practice or meditation that you put effort towards, or if you want to speak to some of those that you mentioned that you think helps not only in the the context of sales, you become the best version of yourself, but can help uh, you just elevate your game and continue to put a good foot forward, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. I think it takes time to nurture all those things and, and life happens in seasons. And I think that like one thing I didn't mention was just like going to the gym. Like if you could bang out four workouts a week, whatever they are, mm. just do it. You win the week. You do that three, three weeks out of a, out of the month, you win the month. You that's seven months out of the year. You win that year. You know what I mean? So just yeah. like trying to, Oh, I think physical health is so much in line with mental health. And uh, again, sometimes you're going to be tired. You're going to, you're going to be lazy and I'll, I'll take like two weeks off the gym and then I won't, oh, fuck is wrong with me oh yeah. i haven't been to the gym in a while I, that's why i'm going crazy and, and and losing it at the smallest uh kind of difficulties so for me personally that's what works and then again there's other people that don't really care too much for fitness at all and they just crush it in their respective profession or whatever they're doing so for me i think that yeah early sunlight slamming water before you slam coffee in the morning to get everything working right getting uh, getting outside moving around if you could do the early workout great that doesn't work always for my schedule so but if you can it's fucking awesome and gratitude i think that my journaling i had a conversation with a friend about this the other day it's like sometimes i only journal about uh, like when i'm angry or when i'm upset or stream of consciousness is that what you generally try to do like yeah okay exactly and and just try to like why why do why do I only need to turn to my to journaling when I'm upset or sad or angry? Why can't it be when I am riding a high? Mm-hmm. So that when you do take a couple minutes to reflect on, I don't know whatever I wrote. I'm not going to read it, but whatever I wrote back in February first, 2022. Mm-hmm. Like one of the things I just said is shut up and build. <laughs> like just shut up and build. You know, stop talking, start doing. But like, why why it. it could be motivating. It could be happy. It could be whatever it needs to be. But knowing that I think journaling has helped me the most in everything because it, you just stop your brain from going in 80 different directions and forced to think and write out every word, word by word, letter by letter. So, well, yeah, uh, I think it's a, 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 a beautiful capstone in that you more than anybody must live a chaotic life uh, with multiple people involved and decisions being made at any given time. And you're thinking about all those things constantly and trying to balance and make sure what's being put forth is the best. It's crazy. And I seems like you've gone through a similar experience. I feel as if all it's doing when you, even if it's just a stream of consciousness and you try to do it daily, you're just like filtering out all the noise to say, all right, what really matters? What do I want to focus on? What do I care about? And then writing it down is almost like setting the intention of like, all right, this is, and it's very passive. You might not even realize that's what you're doing until you go back to February, 2022 to be like, oh, 
evidently that's the Jordan that was putting his foot forward. Mm-hmm. I think it's cool. One of the, maybe the egoic things that I feel is like exactly as you just did. I want to be able to, when I'm 56 years old to look back and be like, what was Nikki thinking about at 28? Yeah. Well, um, and maybe there's some losing his fucking marbles on, <laughs> yeah. on March 3rd, 2023. What was happening? Holding there? it together by a thread. But yeah. I mean, Oh, but then he was happier than a pig and shit uh, just a week later. So like <laughs> life's fine. It always, it always works out. It's cool to see the, uh, the multiple personalities of JB as you kind of oh. go through that. You know, <laughs> I got, I got NPD hardcore, bro. Are you kidding me? I could see it. all. Oh yeah. Big time. And again, it just like, w- w- I think for me too, it's like when my, like when my, uh, I'm behind on my laundry or something like that. as little as that it's like what's wrong why am yeah. i losing it it's like oh i only have one pair of underwear and i hate that pair that's left i don't even want to put it on you know you know exactly what i'm talking about i got you doug i'm putting up what you're putting down baby. yeah i see you everyone has that pair that they hate and it's just why do i still have it anyways but yeah it's just going back to seasonality and when something's wrong it's like okay get granular right? Is my fridge a mess? Do I have enough groceries? Is my laundry not done? Is, is that ready to go? If I made my bed, that's right. huge. Just right. doing a task that leads to organization and hopefully your you. mind stays organized. And you build this, I'm sure they build the system around it in some way. Yeah. Brock on, man. I appreciate you, JB. I appreciate you, Nikki Chen. Yeah. I'm looking forward to, to following the story. I'm looking forward to when I'm in the position of getting some cash, boy. I'll say, hey, JB, which market are we going to take over and which houses are we going to buy? Because we're not buying one house. We're buying the whole fucking subdivision, buying baby. The whole fucking street. We're, buying, we're, making, we're turning the, bringing the ghetto uptown. We'll make the whole block. Anyways, thank you. Good, sir. Uh, anything you want to share? Anything you want to promote? Where can the people find you? Because uh, if you are in the market, if you are uh, just wanting to know more about real estate and get information and slowly but surely understand the world, you were definitely somebody I would follow, but uh, would you like to share, good sir? Housing market? Yeah, yeah like uh, hit me up on my socials, jordan.putarazzi, B-U-T-T-A-R-A-Z-Z-I, or thehousingmarket.ca. Uh, it's the website. Uh, but yeah, I do like to have a lot of fun when it comes to any sort of financial literacy workshops. I got one this week that I'm doing on Tuesday. Um, and just anything that kind of you'd want to chat about in terms of breaking into market, how to build and save a plan for that market, connections that you might need to make to make it happen. Um, more than happy to share what I share with everybody and see what we can do. Jordan Buterazzi, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, sir.